1: Welcome back to the Coach Steve Show podcast. Today we're going to be talking college football and NFL with me and my opinions and my thoughts of the first week of the NFL playoffs for the Chicago Bears. And we just had our college football national championship with Alabama and Ohio State. Before I get going, you guys know the Coach Steve Show is brought to you by the Unhinged Sports Network. Please go check out the Unhinged Sports Network. It's a twenty-four-seven uh, podcast playing site where, if you want any single sport out there to listen to about anything at all—and I mean anything—go check it out. They have a proud partnership with Fubo TV, and in case you missed it, Fubo TV partnered with Unhinged Sports Network, like I said. But they also have over a hundred plus channels including NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, ESPN, and many more. It is 2021. Time to cut the cord. Go save yourself some money without paying the outrageous cost of the cable. Go check out FuboTV. Use the link in the episode description or use the link in the social media uh, profile in the link tree. You can get a seven-day free trial. This does help support the Coach Steve Show podcast, and it helps support the Unhinged Sports Network to help us grow here. So the first thing I want to talk about with everybody is Roll Tide, Alabama won the 2020-2021 College Football National Championship. First of all, we ne- I didn't know if we were going to make it to a national championship, number one. Number two, you have to give... Alabama, a lot of credit to actually not just Alabama, pardon me, every team out there that decided to play, especially the SEC, Big 12, ACC that played all these games. Everybody kept saying on the announcers and everything like they never thought we would get here, you know, back in March. It's almost been a year since we really knew about, well, I guess we didn't even know, but I guess before COVID became this thing where we had to shut everything down and quarantine ourselves. So even then there was no sports, you know, they canceled or they paused the NBA, canceled NCAA basketball um, and, you know, didn't really have baseball. It was paused. And so we didn't know we we're going to have sports. So, I mean, congratulations to every college football team that decided to try to play. whatever the circumstances were, it's very tough. Um, I know there's high school teams out there that have played a season and they had to go through the same thing. But Roll Tide, I am so glad as a fan I am a Nick Saban fan through and through, so that makes me, I guess, a quote-unquote Alabama fan, I suppose. But I am not a fan of Ohio State either, so it just made it great. So Buckeyes, go home with everybody else. Uh, I've been very critical of them, but I will say when they played Clemson, that was the best game they could have played. Um, Now, Sermian, eh, I'm not going to call what happened to some players yesterday an excuse because it's unfortunate. I did not want to see one Ohio State player get hurt like even to see Justin Fields get hurt is something I don't want to see when it happened against Clemson. I didn't want to see Trey Sermian go out. Um, especially on the first play. I, you know, it looked like it was his collarbone right from the get-go, and it probably broke. And, you know, you didn't want to see that. So I'm not sitting here saying because I hate Ohio State that he should have been hurt. Um, and then they had a couple injuries. I know um Justin Fields wasn't 100 percent You saw him take a couple shots to where he lay on the ground. It was like Going for his ribs, going for his hip. I really hope that he was supposed to play because against Clemson, he said he didn't even know what what happened, and there was no reports about what happened. We are just all assuming it's ribs, hip, whatever. So I really hope he was there to play. Um, it was a close game at first. Uh, you know, Ohio State didn't score, Bama scored, and then. It was just back and forth, and then they made a mistake. Uh, fumbled, Alabama fumbled the ball. Jones fumbled the ball. Ohio State came down, scored to tie it up, and then it was just kind of right after that, Bama just kind of woke up. And it's funny when you hear Alabama used to think this this defense is going to hold them to a goose egg or hold them to seven points. That's not the case anymore. It's a younger defense up front. Like they have a, some sophomore defensive linemen, a little bit younger linebackers it's their corners they have the opposite problem of Ohio State Ohio State is really good with their D line and linebackers because you saw when they played Alabama they're playing a lot of 4-4 and so they had a little bit more linebackers out there to try to keep everything in front of them but then Alabama exposed them because they were getting Smith or Waddle when he was in there a little bit or anybody else in the slot on a backer and if he can get if Jones could get time he was going to hit them and you never want a true linebacker, I guess. Because I think Ohio State usually plays a 4-3-ish type thing. Sometimes it jumps into 4-2-5. It looked like they played a lot of 4-4, keeping guys in the box. It almost looked like they were like, Jones, you have to beat us. Or they kind of wanted to keep it cloudy and everything. And it worked a little bit. They had some good plays. Uh, they have the opposite problem. So Bama, they're younger on the defensive line. They had a couple sophomores, which they're studs. Don't get me wrong. They have a little bit younger either younger age-wise backers or younger uh, experience-wise backers. Their safeties and corners are the ones that, like, lead the defense or the leaders. They've been there a while. They know what's up. And then, you know, like I said, Ohio State has the opposite problem where they have, like, one good corner. They try to make up for it with these backers playing that 4-4 to try to help bump and, you know, get those guys off track in that five yards. So they it was just a tale of two, two different defenses. And then it was a tale of two different offenses. Um I know sermon going out kind of hurt them, but it, you know they have some talent to where they can make up for it. Uh, you know, Master Teague is not bad, and I know what some people are saying, like, well, if Justin Fields was healthy, maybe that would have had something to do with it. Maybe I think he could have helped run the ball, but I also think Bama might be okay with that because. I think they were trying to say, you know what, we want Justin Fields to pass the ball because their D-line, like they didn't fly too, too far up the field. And they kind of were trying to read what was going on. There was times Justin Field got out, but I think Nick Saban's not okay with it. But I think he said, you know, after watching Clemson, if he can throw it like that, and we know that he's not healthy, he's still going to be fast, but he's not as healthy if we can catch up to him. If that's how they beat us, or if that's how they move the ball, they're okay with it. Because one, it takes time off the clock. Two, Nick Saban and them are really confident in their offense to score. I want to say they scored every possession except for the fumble, maybe, besides some field goals. But yeah, I think they got to the end zone pretty much or a field goal every time. And so, you know, it was close at first. And then Bama said, Hey, we're Alabama. I'm Nick Saban. Ryan Day, you're not coaching me and, and Sarkeesian and the rest of the staff. You're not, you know, you're not doing this. So it was 52 to 24. It was a total butt whooping. You know, And then the arguments become, does Texas A&M hold on to them? I don't know. I don't know if anybody would keep up with Alabama. You, maybe you could put Texas A&M in there again. I think it was a similar score when they beat Texas A&M, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but they, I don't know if anybody could have kept up. So maybe, maybe it doesn't matter who you put in. I have no idea. Not a clue. Maybe Clemson, but the way they played, I have no idea. Not, not one clue. But, you know, Justin Fields... Not a bad game, but not a good game. 17 for 33, 194 yards, uh, one touchdown. He only averaged 5.9 yards a completion. He had 67 yards rushing. He averaged 11.2 yards a carry. Uh, Master Teague had 65 yards rushing. He only averaged 4.3 yards, but he did have two touchdowns. He runs hard, man. He runs extremely hard. Um, then the flip side um, Alabama. I'll get to this in a second. It's going to be a good one. Mac Jones, who surprises me when you look at him—no offense to him—he's like, oh my god, he's going to—he's an athlete. He is good. Now I know he's got Heisman guys to throw it to, but he makes good checkdowns. He can see the field. He's super smart. Um, he has a good-looking ball. He has good strong arm, and he has good touch on it. Because people are like, yeah, you know, he has a Heisman guy to throw to, which is, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I know that, but it's not like he's throwing it up these bad plays or these bad throws, and the guy has to go out of his way to get the ball, if that makes sense. He's literally throwing it with touch and putting it on point to where his guy can get it. So he's pretty good. And he's projected going the first round, I think, in the mid-20s as a quarterback. And so uh, some team's going to get him. He's going to work really hard. He's going to understand the offense. I think he's going to be okay. Um, he was 36 of 45, 464 yards, averaged 10.3 yards of completion and five touchdowns. Besides the fumble, the thing about him is I know who he's throwing it to. I know who he's got around him. He has a good line, but like I'll get to this topic. I got I'm gonna be all over the place with this because it's just a lot happened. People keep talking about Jimmy's and Joes, not X's and O's. And I did another podcast episode of talking about that. I'll talk about it again in a little bit here. Because that's all you're seeing as well. Just throw it to the Heisman, just throw it to the Heisman, which I understand. But there's also where you have to be able to coach those guys and everything else. He manages the game really well. He doesn't screw up the plays very often. Yeah, he had the fumble. Um, you know, there was a miss block. Um, they were trying to run like a play-action split zone um, where the guy coming across for the split zone was supposed to pick him up, and uh, he took a bad angle. Um, that guy was rushed up the field, and, our, and that split zone guy was going where he thought he was going to be. When he saw him up the field, he – kind of hesitated, and so that's kind of what got Jones sacked and fumbled the ball. But those are great numbers. Najee Harris, he had 79 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Doesn't sound great, but he ran hard when he needed to Um, because, like I said, they were trying to get to the outside, and I give Ohio State credit. They went to that 4-4. Everybody knows the strength of Ohio State is the middle. So they try to get to the outside, and I will give them credit. They did a really good job of trying to push things back in when Najee Harris got the ball. But Najee Harris, his legs are two of mine. He's got some tree trunks. So when they try to tackle him, they just couldn't. You can't tackle him one on one. Sometimes he had three guys on him, and he was just able to plow through for an extra two or three yards. So I'll give Ohio State defense credit. They tried to push everything back inside to where their strength is. Um, even on those bubble screens, sometimes they did a really good job. So then it came, I think um, Alabama just said, okay, they're able to do this very well. They're playing very good with that. So we're just going to throw the ball. And that's why you saw 45 pass attempts, because where's their weaknesses? attack their corners and safeties, and then those linebackers out there, if you're able to catch them with either up-tempo or they didn't sub and you you see it, you get that backer with a slot receiver, move guys around, it's not going to go well. So I give Ohio State a lot of credit. They they play tough. They try to hang in there on defense, with, you know, doing that. But then where I give Najee Harris credit, getting back to that, is um, Ohio State's defense is really good up the middle. They do pretty good on the run. He got those yards running a little bit to the outside, but he was getting them running up the field. Now Alabama has a fantastic offensive line, but there was times where Najee Harris had three guys on him and go up the middle. So that that just shows that I think Alabama was just stronger with their speed and their uh, uh, their speed training and their weightlifting and their strength and conditioning program, sprint based stuff. You just saw how much more powerful they were. They weren't tired they rather have more power. I think Ohio State kind of does the similar strength and conditioning stuff, but you just saw the difference of what they were doing compared to what maybe Ohio State does. Um, so it was it's pretty good. And then, of course, your Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, 12 receptions, 215 yards. And this is only in the first half. 215 yards in the first half, three touchdowns. He averaged 7.9 yards a catch in the first half. And then second half, he gets hit you know does something with his finger probably dislocated unfortunate for him but he says he'll come back that's probably something that can be healed ready for the nfl unfortunate for him but you know what it was kind of like you did your job you got us up you know they were winning um 35 to 17 at halftime and it's like okay you did your job let the team you know we'll carry you don't worry about it so that happened uh John Meech, I said that wrong in the third, he had 81 yards. Najee Harris, 70, the, the rushing yards, he had 79 yards through the air. Waddle came in, and people kept saying, don't put him in there, don't put him in there. Well, Nick Saban's not going to put him in there if it's going to risk. He was running funny, so he's got screws in his ankle. And then the doctor said he has full range of motion, it's healed. He's running like that because, yeah, it's going to be a little painful for the rest of his life a little bit, especially at the beginning but it's more uncomfortable. If you watch the way he walked, it looked like he was very uncomfortable, and they said that. He's going to be very, very uncomfortable. And so people kept bashing Coach Saban and saying, like, don't put him in there, don't put him in there. Well, you know, he had 34 yards receiving, and it wasn't like he, he only threw, he had three receptions, you know, so it wasn't like he played him this entire time. He wasn't out there a whole time, and sometimes he was out there just as a decoy. so I just don't believe Coach Saban and that strength and conditioning staff and Coach Sarkeesian was going to put him in a situation to hurt himself. That's just something he's going to have to deal with right now with the screws if it's healing over. Because you know what, they would have played him before. So I don't want to hear that like they put him in danger. So, but guys get to go home. It's a happy day to see. The Buckeyes lose the national championship. Dealing with Buckeye fans, who are just like LeBron fans, I've said a million times, it's hard to listen to them. Uh, the certain LeBron fans and certain Ohio State fans, it is hard to listen to them. And it's—they're a great football program. They're very, very good, much respected year in year out. They win the Big Ten, almost going undefeated, sniff the playoffs. They won a championship a couple of years ago with Urban Meyer. So you know, it's not a bad program. I'm not bashing the program. I'm not bashing the way. This is not, there's just something about them I don't like. And I know I'm an Illinois fan through and through, so I can't talk much. I'm a Nick Saban fan, so I guess that makes me an Alabama fan. So I think I have the right to root for Alabama and roll tide. I'm just glad the Buckeyes lost because I don't know if I could have dealt with it. It was like when LeBron James won a couple of championships, it's hard to deal with. Uh, You know, because Justin Fields was at Georgia as a second stringer uh, behind Fromm couldn't beat him, and then he goes to Ohio State. Yeah, he only lost two games, I guess. Good, you play in the Big Ten, you're supposed to beat them. Uh, the Big Ten, I guess, it was a little bit of down last year, and it's, it was way down this year. I mean, COVID had a lot to do with it, but it was way down this year as well. Um, I think it would have been kind of that way without COVID. You know, Penn State was down, Michigan was down, Minnesota was down, Wisconsin was, you know, not playing well. You know, you had Indiana, Northwestern stepping up, that's about it, so – It's not like they're playing the SEC, um, even some of the Pac-12. So you're only playing the Big Ten. You lose in the playoff to Clemson, then you lose the championship. I said this before, if anybody listens and remembers. When Alabama lost to Clemson in the championship game and then the next year got to the playoff, had to play Clemson the first round, it was a revenge thing. They spent all their mental energy on that game to beat Clemson. Like, we have to get revenge. Well, then it was like, well, wait a minute. You still got to play – the national championship game, and they had to play Georgia, who was really, really good, really good defense, really good running backs. So that's when they had like their three-headed monster. And Georgia should have probably won that game. It was Tua at the very end throwing it to Smith for that touchdown to win the game. So, I mean, they could have lost that game. So I think that's kind of what happened. I know injuries play a little bit part of it, and Bama is just really good and, out, and everything. Ohio State got out-coached. They got played But I think they just spent all that energy on Clemson to say, for Ryan Day, like, we got to beat Clemson. Dabo Sweeney said this, this, or this. We have to beat them. And they spent all that mental energy and all that time to go in and say, we have to beat Clemson. And, well, then it's like, well, wait a minute. Now you got to play Alabama. And you have to have everything going for you. And I think maybe because Fields was hurting and he didn't take reps, like a lot of things played into it. But I am, you know, glad Nick Saban's got his seventh national championship, most in, in college football history um he's got to be people say he may not be the greatest football coach of all time because he doesn't have this in the nfl but it's got to be him and belichick right next to each other like those are the two best football coaches when you look at that stuff in in the history of football he's the best college football coach in the history of college football and people always talk about how maybe he doesn't truly care about his players because when they get to the nfl they're either get injured they don't do so on the nfl blah 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 and last night you saw him talk about how a lot of different things about his team he was smiling when do you see nick saban smile he smiled the most in the last two years i think he has his whole life combined on the football field anyway uh i bet you he didn't start work today until 8 a.m instead of 5 a.m because of that and then you know, during there, you saw tears coming out of his eyes. And I think it was for different reasons. One, I think because I haven't had a high school football season yet. We're dealing with offseason stuff. We hope to play in March, first practice in February here in Illinois. But um, talking to other coaches in high school, there's just a lot of sacrifices and a lot of things you have to do with COVID. And I can't imagine going on in college what that's doing and in the NFL and all that. Um, he was probably crying because he got COVID. Um, you know, I'm sure a player here or there was getting COVID. All the protocols they had to do, all the worrying about if they're going to play, all the worry about after each game, is somebody going to test positive? You know, just everything pulled out from underneath of you and everything changed in a matter of March and April and May going into it and it just changes. And you didn't have all this, the perseverance, you know, they need spring ball. They need more summer workouts and they probably didn't get a lot of that. So I think he was in tears because of how hard the team worked and coming over or getting over the humps of all the stuff with COVID. I think his coaching staff getting over it, picking him up when he tested positive the first time and then got three negatives. And then when he actually tested positive, I think twice, and actually had it to pick him up. I think to see this class, because all these guys were recruited together, to see them stick together and do this. He cares about his players. I know sometimes may not, not look – he looks like your old-school tough coach who doesn't show emotion. He cares about the players. People think he cares about his record and the championships. I'm sure when he's done coaching, he's going to look back and say, yeah, I won – I got seven national championships. But each one of those championships is connected to the program, connected to those players, to that championship, to the coaching staff to the you know, athletic trainers, administration, athletic director, and all that. So that's the way he looks at it. He treats it like an NFL program because he knows that program was there before him. It's going to be there after him. So he had tears. He cares about the players. So people that say he doesn't need to stop with that, he cares. He wouldn't do it if he didn't care. He would do something else. Um, and I also think he has tears because someone said, is he going to retire? And I don't know if he's going to retire. I think he's still got a lot in the tank that's a very small possibility, a few percentage. I think he is either either 69. He's about to turn 69. And that's, you know, yeah, he's going to stop here soon, probably. Maybe he retires this year and goes out on top. I have no idea. And maybe that's a part of his mind, like he's just so happy. And that could be he's just so happy and he's getting older. That's just what it is. So I, I think that and then a lot of people are posting, you know, can we just say that talent does this, talent does that? They were just way more talented at Ohio State. And that's true. They're more talented. Uh, but I think Ohio State got out-coached and out-game-planned because I said this before and I'll say a little snippet. Jimmy's and Joe's – I say Jimmy's and Joe's and X's and O's. And the reason why I say that is because I think we all go to this world of Alabama has all this talent. They could line up in a wing tee and be very successful at it, which maybe a little bit of it is true. But at the same time, is it really? I don't know. I think we get too carried away with that. I know I get too carried away with that. I don't know. You need. It's kind of like going back to like the the Michael Jordan Kobe Bryant and Phil Jackson. People say you know Phil Jackson is this great coach because he had these this talent, which is partly true. But then you've got to do something with it because there was coaches before Phil Jackson that had Michael Jordan and all that, and they didn't win championships. Yeah, they won games, and they were getting the. Chicago Bulls franchise turned around, and then Phil Jackson shows up and was able to control that. Um, you had Kobe Bryant and them on a team, and you had coaches that weren't Phil Jackson, and they didn't win championships. You, you got to be able to coach the players and coach the team and get the best out of them. So I think we get too carried away with that. I don't know. Like I don't know. Like, do you put other coach coaching staff on that Alabama? team and does the same thing happen i don't know you could argue that but i think it's both it's more jimmies and joes don't get me wrong it's more jimmies and joes than the coaches obviously they win the games coaches lose them it's more about that than the x's and o's because like you said i don't know if you come into next year with that. if the same team came back and alabama comes and says we're on the wing t i don't know if you'd be successful but i think um Coaches, we have to put the players in situations, get them to buy in, control that because that's a lot of talent and a lot of not attitudes, but a lot of personalities you gotta deal with. Coach Saban can do it. The guys he hires does it really well. So that's what I'm saying. Like, how many times does a head coach, look at Coach Odron, for example, at LSU? He hires defense coordinator. First year gone because he just it didn't work out. That happens. Nick Saban hires people and it works out because of the culture and the process he already has in place. And he sets the tip, he sets that right from the get-go, when he hires people and brings kids in. So I think it's both. It's more Jimmy's and Joe's. Don't get me wrong. Yes, Jimmy's and Joe's, upon up their will, took over Ohio State. But you have to be able to control all that talent. That's a lot of talent to deal with. That's a lot of different personalities you got to deal with. That's a lot of game planning and putting him in the position to be successful because Sarkisian kid went out there and just – he ran exactly what they ran all year. He could have came out and just – Opened playbook up and this, this, and that, and done something. No, he stuck to what they were doing. didn't or, And if anybody's ever watched a clinic with him, everything is so simple. I've watched clip, snippets of him. Everything's very simple. He just disguises a lot of them, adds little tweaks here and there to certain plays that he does. And so I think people need to stop with the, it's only Jimmy's and Joe's. I don't know if you could put me on that Alabama team and I would be Ohio State. You know what I mean? So I think it's both. I did a, a podcast episode on I think it's Jimmy's and Joe's, X's and O's. But I put Jimmy's and Joe's first because it does come down to them more often than not sometimes, but sometimes it's X's nose. Sometimes it's a little bit of scheme. Sometimes it's, you know, culture and the process and positivity and, and getting them to buy in. So it's kind of both. So I think we need to stop where it's just Jimmy's and Joe's this and that because that takes away from saying coach Saban's a good coach trying to say he's not as good as he is or the staff aren't, is not as good as everyone says they are. Um, so, before I get to the next one, the Unhunched Sports Network that the Coach Steve Show podcast is, you know, of course, with, they also have a proud partnership with Fanatics. Everybody loves Fanatics gear because it's a good price. And they have every single team that you could imagine. Any college team you want is on there. All the pros are on there, of course. T-shirts, hoodies, uh, sweatpants, hats, little memorabilia jerseys for a good price every single day is a different deal you'll see anywhere from 20 30 40 50 60 70 75 percent off you'll get fr- there's free shipping there might be buy one get one all the time you you have to check it out at fanatics and of course roll tide alabama won the national championship they have the national championship gear that you saw them wear on fanatics go get it use the link in the episode description or go to the social media page on the link tree and click on the fanatics link and go check out that each day is a different deal. It's never the same. So you have to click the link and check it out. I know today was free shipping. The other day was 60% off. You have to click the fanatics link in the episode description or the social media bio in the link tree, go to fanatics, get you and your family, some gear. NBA is back get your NBA gear, the NFL playoffs, get yourself some gear for these playoffs Get the Alabama gear if you're a Bama fan because they just won. Uh, get some gear to gear up for the next season coming up, whatever. Go to the link. It helps support the Unhentied Sports Network, and it helps support the Coach Steve Show podcast. So please go do that now. So college football's over. It seemed like it just started, we were so excited to get it started. Um, you know, with COVID, and all that going on. We didn't even know if we're going to have sports, so it was just so nice to see college football. Sports matters a lot more than just – I always talk about how much high school sports matter to kids. The the College sports and pro sports mean a lot. It brings people together. It helps us get away from reality for about two hours. Um, It just does a lot. More than that, I could go on and on and on and on. It does a lot for us. Those college athletes sacrificed a lot for us. There was college football coaches. You know, I know some people say they didn't sacrifice a lot because they make a lot of money. There were some programs out there where coaches don't make all that type of money that you think they do. So they sacrificed a lot, you know, went out there with the COVID going on. And so it was, you know, yeah, it was great. It seemed like it just started. It's over. It's so sad it's over. Um, I hope they can have some type of spring ball. and I hope it comes back to a little bit of normal. The next football season around where some teams are playing more – closer amount of games i hope that they uh can get something going where it's similar and what i mean by that is can we get some leadership from the ncaa and say this is how many games we're playing and this is what you have to get in order to make the playoff or whatever it is i don't know i hope there's more leadership they need to change the playoff and they need to do it tomorrow or today they could pay me and i've said this me Coach West and Brad Miller, we always have on the show. They could pay us half of what they're paying their their president, then still blame we will fix the college football playoff for them. I've heard many things. It needs to change, and people say, "Well, you can't just change it overnight. You need to start maybe let's go to eight games." I, I I'm calling horse manure on it. They can change tomorrow. It's all about the money. It's all about the money, and that's why. But there's you could do it. But what they don't want to do is they don't want to mess with the schedule during the regular season. Because in order to change the playoff system, you have to change how many regular season games. At the FCS level, they play about 9 or 10 games. Then they get to their playoff. Okay. I think it's top 32. Go to the playoff. They travel. So by the end of it, you know, they're playing about 13 games. Which is about what they play in Division One. at the end of the day. well in a normal year they play 13 games in regular season with the conference championship and then you got your bowl game or playoff so you can't tell me that they would lose that much money if they changed the playoff to something like the FCS level instead of nine games just make it 10 or whatever it is then ha- and or have play nine games and That that game is the Big 10 or not the Big 10 excuse me I'm more in Big 10 country so I think of the Big 10 play the conference championship. And I've heard this may, I keep saying top 25 because it means something to take the top 25. And I don't want to keep going back to that because it's mine or anything like that. Or think my way is the best way I just keep going back. It needs to mean something, but talking to like coach West and Brad top 32 would be fine. Just like the FCS. So you take, so the top 25, then you have seven at large to make sure that you get every single conference, I think there's 16 total conferences or eight total. Yeah, something big time conferences. They all get a spot in the top 25. Then you've got the seven at large, or just make it top 32. I don't know. Maybe just have 32. Every big, every division one conference champion gets in, but you have to rank them. It's not like if you win the Sun Belt with three losses that you're up in the top five. And then the first round. They have to travel. So can you imagine, like, if a coastal – if, like, I don't even know. Um, Let's just say, for example, uh, Coastal Carolina this year would have been ranked higher than Florida. I don't think they were. But let's just say for some reason like that. Florida going to Coastal Carolina. Could you imagine what that does for Coastal Carolina? Well, one, that's going to be a packed house. going to be sold out in a normal normal world without COVID. They're going to go. It's going to be sold out. It's going to put – Give Coastal Carolina TV time. It's going to help recruiting. It's going to help those coaches get bigger jobs. And then younger coaches can get into those type of jobs, get their foot in at some Division One program. It's going to do a lot. It's going to do a lot for that school. And you can't take that away from them. That's helping the school out. It's nobody can still make money. I know in like high school when they sell tickets, some goes to the governing body or whatever. So they're going to make money. It's on TV. You get the TV deal or whatever. They can make money. So that part is not bad. And then either then the next round, do the same thing, they travel again. Then once you get – and or like Coach West had said, in the first one when they travel, though, these bowl games that have been going on forever, they can sponsor that game. So when they travel to Coastal Carolina or whatever, oh, well, uh, I don't know. Capital One is sponsoring at Coastal Carolina, and they can get the the, the sponsorship there. Or if you don't want to do the first games, the 16 games, if it's 32 – Then the next one, when it gets down to the Sweet 16 right after – or it goes from 32, then it goes down, then they can start sponsoring them and just move on to a national champion. I think that's a good way to go about it. Then if you really want to keep teams involved, so between – then the next – you take the next 32. So you have a total of 64 teams. The top 32 make the championship. Then you have an NIT tournament. Now, some may say, oh, that's not important. But, I mean, it might if you're only playing nine games in the regular season – and you need film for the NFL or for the next year, do something like that. Take the NCAA basketball model. I think it'll work perfectly. And I don't want to hear, I understand they could maybe do it today. They have to ease into it, but they, they changed that to four. So I think they can immediately do it. It might take a year. It might have to be planned out now and say, okay, starting in the fall of 2022, we are going to this 30-64 team model where the top 32 are going to play for the, National championship and the bomb 32 are going to play for the sub championship. Works for me. They could do it. Gives them plenty of time to um, get the regular season schedules messed around with to make sure that, or maybe 2023. I don't know. But like people have said, they need to switch it up or they need to go back to the top two. It almost means more with just the top two. All these rest of these teams are going to say, you know what? If we don't make the top three, it's fine. I like just go back. Might as well just do that instead of pissing all these teams off. So it's just time to change it up, I think. Uh, it's easy to do. you know, there's plenty of money. It's going to help schools if you travel to them. Um, you know, with these home playoff games, I think it'd be awesome to see. It can be done. It can be done. This podcast is brought to you by the Launchpad Kickoff Tee. If you're a coach and you have a younger guy that's trying to be a developing kicker, but he's having trouble reaching the end zone all the time, this is the perfect kickoff tee for you from the Launchpad Kickoff Tee. The reason is this gives a coach a strategic option on squib kicks, onside kicks, and even just just like I said, kicking into the end zone. It's great. It's fantastic. It's not the old-school orange tee that just sits in the ground like we had when we all played back in the day in football. Um, You can use it at NCAA level, and you can use it at the high school level. It is legal for both. It's a game-changer. It's got these side flaps with these little um, parts that stick up above the flaps where you can can literally put the ball on its side and kick it that way. You can put it out any way you want, and the way it can give you to where you can kick the sweet spot of the ball – in order to get into the end zone, it reveals the sweet spot of the ball. So if you stick it up, if you lay it down farther, it can go farther. You need to go to Launchpad to try this out, okay? So for right now, you can go to launchpadkickoffteecom slash CSS and have the code CSS to go get a 10% off your tee. Now, if you buy one tee, you get 10% off. If you use the link and the code given, you want to go buy a two-pack, get more percent off. Then the four-pack, if you buy that, one of those tees will be free. You get a 20% off. You get a lot of deals going on. So any football coaches, if you're high school coaches that are listening to this, go to launchpadkickofftea.com slash CSS and go get that tea before the season kicks off for a lot of us in the spring. If you're a college coach and you're done and you're waiting for spring ball, you special teams coordinators, go get this tee. I'm telling you, it's a game changer, so go look it out. Go on YouTube to see it live in person of how it exactly works. Go look at the reviews. And each tee that you order, it comes with uh, descriptions. It comes with instructions to show you every single angle that you can lay that football on. So go to launchpadkickofftea.com slash CSS. Use the code CSS. Go get a kicking tee today. All right. The NFL playoffs were underway. I am, of course, a Bears fan, and I feel very dirty that the Bears did make the playoffs. They snuck in the back door at 8-8. Eight and eight. Thank you, 49ers, for winning the week. And thank you, Rams, to get us in there. So as a fan, I'm like, okay, we made the playoffs. But then the other part of the fan of me and the coach of me was like, I feel dirty. I feel dirty. We're 8-8, eight eight, but at least we're not 6 wins like the the nfc east would have been at least we were eight and eight but going from five and one we lost six or seven straight i can't even keep up it was just disgusting poor play calling poor coaching poor management and it was just it, it, it felt very dirty but i was happy to be there and a part of me as the rest of the bears fans thought we could be maybe have a chance against you know the saints which we did i mean the first half yeah we were making dumb mistakes we were right there we were right there in the game it was just you know like we did that uh we were in the wildcat we tossed it back to trubisky for like a flea flicker flea flicker type play and whims dropped it whims needs to be cut because against the saints he did that asinine thing where he just walked up the player and was like hey bam and popped him in the helmet or whatever stupid and then he drops the pass. He should never, ever, ever, ever have been there. He should have been cut right then and there. The moment he walked off from not catching that, he should have been cut. You were unemployed. Go to a different team. That's what should have happened. Yeah, I'm a little fired up about that. And then the Saints became the Saints. You know, we just didn't do what we did on offense. You know, too much stuff. We lost 21-9. to nine. I mean, it was only 7-3 at half, and then the Saints were the Saints. Drew Brees is 28 to 39, 265 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Alvin Kamara really hurt us, 99 yards of rushing. Um, you know, and they just spread the ball around. And then Trubisky was 19 of 29, 199 yards and a touchdown. Touchdown came at the end of the game to Jimmy Graham. We, we just got away. We just couldn't run the ball. We got away from the run game. It just looked like me and, uh, Brad and Nathan talk to each other, and it's funny. We said when we were winning, you could tell when, because Matt Nagy turned the play calling duties over, but he's still involved. You can tell when he's not calling plays because we're shifting. We're using more tight ends. We're doing what we did in 2018. And then when we're in the red zone, you see Jimmy Graham in there because that's what he's there for. He's there for the inside of the 20, post up, throwing ball, and he'll catch it. You can tell that Matt Nagy is calling the plays because Mitchell Trubisky is more in the pocket, which I understand at the beginning. you got to get him in the pocket, throw him the ball, get a rhythm, then you get him outside the pocket. It's what we did in 2018. You you know when Matt Nagy's calling plays because it's run, 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 pass, or it's pass, pass, run. And it's more side to side, not up the field. And so that's kind of when you can tell when Nagy's calling plays. They're not shifting as much, and this and that. It's more stagnant he got away from what he was with Andy Reid at the Kansas City Chiefs and he got away from what he was in 2018 so we always joke we're, we're in the group message yeah Matt Nagy's calling plays now you can see that he's calling plays right now and this and that and it's just it's funny and then if you guys knew if you guys ever watch Chicago Bears go back and watch these other games you can tell when they're doing good even though I know the teams they were playing weren't as good you can tell when they're getting creative. They're moving guys around. They're motioning. They're doing this. They're doing that. And instead of just always side to side, they're trying to get up the field. Then you see Nagy. He doesn't. He's not shifting. He's not using the tight ends. He's taking Jimmy Graham out in the red zone. So you can kind of tell either he's calling plays or he's putting his huge input in. And I think he did that because they they didn't do well against the Packers. So maybe he felt like he had to. I don't know. It just didn't go well. We had a chance to win the game. I, I mean, or at least put ourselves in a position. I mean, twenty-one to nine is not terrible. It just looked terrible with the mistakes we were making. We were missing a ton of tackles. That was the other thing. We just couldn't really tackle well on defense. And on defense, we just don't blitz enough. We play a lot of zone. We don't. We sometimes stunt, and when we do, it works. And sometimes when we and then sometimes we don't. We don't blitz a whole lot. It's more drop back and not get. You know, you got to get pressure on Drew Brees to rattle him. Maybe try to get him outside the pocket. Um, he's a little older. So those are things that maybe he can't do as well. He's still good. I'm not trying to say that he's in the hall of fame. Of course, we just didn't do those things. And so it was very frustrating. Um, bear season is over, you know, back when we were losing the six or seven games, I'm guilty of sometimes calling for guys' jobs, college or NFL level, but I just don't know how else to describe it. Um, I'm not saying I want people fired, lose their jobs and, not provide for their family, but these guys make a lot of money to where if they got fired for that next half a year to a year, they're fine. Us normal people, middle class, we get fired. We have to find a job immediately. So I think that's why sometimes I let my, you know, my loose lips slip with that stuff. You know, so it's just, I kind of was calling for Matt Nagy to kind of lose his job, but, Kind of not. I don't know. Um, Something wasn't right. And Tony Romo was calling the game with the Bears and the Saints, and he was saying that Bears fans need to take a step back and calm down because Matt Nagy was coach of the year in 2018. They went 13-3. and We were in the NFC Championship, and we lost with the doink kick to the Super Bowl-winning Philadelphia Eagles that year with Nick Foles. Then last year, you know, I think we were eight and eight again, or something, and didn't make the playoffs. And then this year, eight and eight snuck our way into the playoffs. So he said, you know, you're in the playoffs too. I was two out of his three years at tenure. You need to take a step back because he's there. I mean, he's doing well, but like, it's frustrating because me, Nathan, and Brad on go talk, go check out the talking sports with you know, Coach Steve, co-host Brad Miller. We talk about how maybe Notre Dame. Has this championship or bust attitude and they haven't won a championship since 1988. Me and Nathan just said the same thing about Michigan. Like, do they have too high expectations? Maybe us Bears fans need to take a step back and realize that too. We haven't won a Super Bowl since the 1985 Bears, which is the best Super Bowl, which is the best team ever created, ever put together. We made the Super Bowl in the 2006 with um, Rex Grossman and Devin Hester and Lovey Smith, and we haven't since. But I think it's because we. Get talent. Now I'm not talking like this overwhelmingly talent, but the blue collar, hard working talent on defense. We always got the players. Like we had Jay Color, who people I don't care what people say Jay Color is a was a very 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 good quarterback. We had a new offensive coordinator every year. So I think it's just because Bears fans, we we it's that carrot dangle on the stick, you know, and it's because we do well. Now if it was 2018, we were eight and eight, and then last year nine and seven, this year. 10 and 6 or 8 and 8 again you may not be hearing this but since we were 13 or 12 and 4 13 and 3 whatever it was happening i said this from the get-go that was one of the worst things that could have happened because now our expectation was the next year you got to take the next step or at least be similar and we weren't then we said okay you kind of went down well now you can only go up well now we're the same and it was just, you know, you hear things about Matt Nagy not liking Mitchell Trubisky, doesn't want him, but since he had to put him in because Nick Foles got hurt, then you had to stay with him. This, this, and that. We don't draft very well. We don't address some of the needs. So that's where his Bears fans get frustrated. So necessarily not calling for people to be fired, but something not, is not right. So when that happens, you have to make a change. Got to make a change. And so Bears fans out there are like, well, we lost on Sunday. It is now Tuesday. Why is Matt Nagy still the coach? And then we got to think about this, Bears fans. Yeah, we could fire him. But who are we going to hire? And I'll get to that here in a few minutes. But you got to think about that, too. Like, before you fire somebody, kind of like the Jim Harbaugh, Michigan thing, he re- he did a contract, but his base salary went down with a ton of incentives. I think it was partly like, who are you going to hire? Jim Harbaugh's not a terrible coach. So who else are you going to hire? So it's kind of the same thing of like, hey, guys. Yeah, we could fire him. who who are we going to hire? Who's out there that's going to be super good? There's a few names. I'm talking about as of right now, but like before, like, who are we going to hire? And then you better make sure, and this is kind of the sneaky part of the business in college NFL. If you're going to fire him and you have a guy out there that you want to hire... You better make sure that he wants to come here. So I mean, you have to talk to this guy before you fire Matt Nagy, which I find sneaky. But that's just the nature of the thing. You don't want to fire like you don't want to fire him and then say, "Well, I want to go get Jim Bob out there," so I fire Matt Nagy and go talk to Jim Bob. But he's like, "Ah, I'm going to go to the Eagles. Or I'm going to go to the Jets. You know, I'm going to go back to college and coach. You know, I just don't want to go to the Bears. Like that's just a risk. That's just you don't want to take that risk." I mean, I'd rather have Matt Nagy than nobody or somebody that doesn't have experience. But there's guys out there to hire. They're evaluating everything right now. Nothing's been said as of right now on Tuesday, January 12th at 3.15 in the afternoon. I don't know. A Part of me is like, yep, got to get him gone. Or part of me is like, Matt Nagy, get over it unless you go find a different quarterback. Maybe they can get Deshaun Watson. I don't know. But guess what? You're stuck with Trubitsky. So, guess what? As the coach and this amazing guru, offensive guru you are, go back to 2018 where you played to his strength. That's the thing about the NFL. Those coaches, like, they're going to play to what I want to do. Partly true because you can sign people to say, this is what I want to do. So, I got to get this guy. But guess what? This is where Nick Saban is probably one of the best coaches ever, including NFL coaches. He adapted to what he had, adapted what was going on around him. Matt Nagy, if you are still there for the 2021. Opener and Mitchell Trubisky is your quarterback. Adjust the offense to what he can do and call plays that cater to what or cater to, not tater, excuse me, no no English major, cater to what you built it around during the offseason. We had the tight ends, blah, blah. So I don't know. Part of me is like clean house, get rid of Matt Nagy, go find someone else because we have talent. An aging defense. That defense was really good in 2018. And every year just kind of goes down, and that's what happens. 2006, we had that amazing defense, and then Jay Cutler showed up a few years later. And they had a re- in the offense or the defense was aging, so they kind of went more to offense, and then they built the defense back up. They aged. like it's just this this, re- this cycle thing with the Bears. And you can't beat the, we can't beat the Packers to save our lives. I respect Aaron Rodgers, but it'd be nice to beat the Packers once in a while. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think the Bears they have to change something. So Matt Nagy needs to go talk to Phil Jackson or Matt Nagy needs to go hang out spring ball with Nick Saban and get baptized, praise to the Lord, hallelujah, and, and have a coming to Jesus moment with himself is what I think. Guys, I know that some of you like me during this these lockdowns and this quarantine probably probably, put on a few pounds, nothing wrong with it. I know we all did. We all ate a little more. Now, like, like me, maybe like some of you we're trying to get back, whether it was running, well, now the winter's here. So now we're trying to go back to normal, go back to the gym. And we kind of need that edge, whether it's, if you're a bodybuilder out there listening for some reason, you're looking for an edge in the supplement industry. If you're a power lifter, you're looking for those, that edge in the supplements. If you're just a normal person like me, not looking to be a powerlifter or a bodybuilder, we're just trying to feel good, um, be healthier, but we're looking for things that kind of help us get there, not cheat or anything, but try to get us there, Redcon One is the place to go to get the supplements. They are made to get you to the highest state of readiness. And like I said, it's for people going to the gym or it's for people for everyday life. They've got your whey proteins, isolate proteins. They have a fat-burning powder drink, which is delicious. They have the pills. They even have powder called Fade Out that helps you go to sleep if you have trouble sleeping every now and then. They have energy shots. They have meal replacement bars. They've got workout apparel. Anything you can think of, they have it. It's not just supplements for bodybuilding. Like I said, it's for everyday life. So if you use the link in the episode description or you go to the link tree in the social media bio and click on the link, It will send you to Redcon 1. You can put the shop around, get the supplements. Each supplement has a description, a video description even to really tell you what's in it, how to use it. If you use the code T20, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-K-U, you will get 20% off your order. Now, Redcon 1 is fantastic. There's times you'll get on the website and they'll have better deals than my 20% off code. You might see buy one, get one free for certain supplements. You might see if you spend 50 bucks, you get a $30 credit, anything like that. It makes them so great to really help out the podcast and help me out. If you still use that link in the episode description or in the link tree bio on social media, and you see there's a better deal, there's no problem. Use that code for that deal. I want you to save money. You'll just see a referral box right before checkout or in the checkout if you could just put my name S T E P H E N space K U C H E F S K I. When you check out, that still helps me out. You get the percentage off and you can get to the highest state of readiness. Redcon one is the fastest growing supplement company. It was vitamin shops, number one supplement company, in 2018 and a bunch of other awards. So go on, let's go get to the highest state of readiness. All right, guys, we're going to slowly wrap up the show. Uh, there's a couple other topics. Urban Meyer's been talked about going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Me and Coach West talked about it. Um, I like doing these where I can kind of extend to what we said. Coach West thinks he can do really good. I am hesitant on this because um, I go back to the Nick Saban thing where he, he go go get there's a there's a book called Saban: The Making of a Coach. It talks about Coach Saban's life up to a certain point. I can't remember how. Long ago, this book came out about it goes into him going to Alabama, too. He talks about his whole life, how he became who he is, how he's coached the way he is, you know, because we people have their opinions on him. Um, So it talks about all that. And he bounced around a lot of schools. And then it talks about when he went to the NFL and his experience in the NFL. Now, he did okay as a defense coordinator in the Browns. But it talks about he was with the Oilers, talks about that when he went back to college and he went to the Miami Dolphins and he went to Alabama. Some people aren't just meant for the NFL. Maybe he can now, but some are just not meant for the NFL, which is perfectly fine. Who knows if Urban Meyer is made for that? Um, Because you don't belittle college kids, but there's a different way you talk to college kids that you don't in the NFL to men in college. You're molding these guys into those men and then in the NFL, you're trying to – I don't know if it's the right way to put you – almost manage them. You have to coach them, but you have to manage them. And that's where it takes up big talent like uh, Coach Bill Belichick. That's why Sean McVay doing it at such a young age is is, um, is phenomenal and, and things like that. So you have to be able to have that relationship with the men and everything else. So Urban Meyer is pretty good at coaching college, molding them into men and putting them in good situations. I just don't know if that's going to transfer to Jacksonville. But, you know, that is the next step. And people are really high on this hire to get him there. So maybe it'll work out. I'm a little hesitant on it. But, I mean, what what could go wrong, I guess? You know, he is older. He's not a young coach. He's older. He's had time off here to, to look at how he coaches. And maybe he can get that to the NFL level. He can build a team around. My, I joke around, and I might be going to hell for this. I say he might have a heart attack on the field because at Florida he had the chest thing. Then he took uh, maybe a year off, and he went to Ohio State, and it was kind of happening again because he he's so worried about things being quote-unquote quote, perfectioned, I think. I think he's so worried about micromanaging. He's so worried about this, so worried about this. So that's why for the Jacksonville job, they're going to have to pay him a lot of money, I think, and he's not going to go until they get his guys. So Jacksonville has to say, yeah, you can have your guys. So be watching out, Ohio State guys. He has guys all around in college. Ohio State fans, watch out because if he does get the Jacksonville job, a lot of those Ohio State people are gone from the office and the administration side and the athletic department, from the coaching. They're going to go with them. So you're going to have to rebuild that up. So like I said, it's not, it's, it's Jimmy's and Joe's and X's knows, which means the coaches So we will find out with Ohio State if, if Urban Meyer does get this, but like, you know, just a couple other things if he gets the NFL and he micromanages and he's so worried about things in the NFL, I don't know how true this is. I'd like to say that the NFL and Jacksonville have more resources to pay people than he had Ohio State. But I don't know Ohio State and Bama and them because they have had this historic school, historic football team. They may have more resources maybe. But in the NFL, he could probably literally just be the CEO and not worry about anything. Yeah, he's going to want this offense or this or that have his input. Maybe because he'll have more help around him because it's the NFL. Maybe he won't have these pains and this and that, and he's just more the face and the CEO to make sure things roll on like a well machine. I mean, I wish him luck if he goes. As Like I said, as of right now, I haven't really seen. You're seeing, oh, yeah, he's in Jacksonville. He's trying to see if everything will work out to get there. And maybe he doesn't go at all because I know he wants to coach at Notre Dame. And before, there was rumors about Kelly going to the NFL, not as a head coach, but some assistant. It's on his list. I think USC might be on his list, but I know Notre Dame is. Urban Meyer was a wide receivers coach at Notre Dame before. He wants to go there. I was kind of hoping he'd go to Notre Dame because if he shows up at Notre Dame, they're going to be right there in two years, three years, somewhere in there. They will be right there. Urban Meyer is a good coach. Go read his book, Above the Line. It's very good. He's got another book, but Above the Line is fantastic. Go check it out. Doug Peterson from the Philadelphia Eagles was fired. So going back to Chicago Bears. So now if you're the Bears and you're thinking about firing Matt Nagy, I kind of would take Doug Peters because he's a Super Bowl winning coach. Um, his offense was really good with Carson Wentz, who I think is a overrated, almost pretty much a bust. It almost it was. I think he got fired because it almost looked like he tanked to make sure the the, the Giants wouldn't get to win the NFC East to make the playoffs because if the Philadelphia Eagles would have won, the Giants would have been there. But since they lost, like it just looked like he wasn't trying to win the game. I don't know. Then you're seeing that they got rid of him because they kind of chose Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz said he wanted to trade from Philadelphia because the relationship with Doug Peterson was um, tainted and it's never going to be fixed because Carson Wentz is a big crybaby and got benched because he wasn't playing well. Oh, I was benched. I'm never gonna play. He's a big crybaby, overpaid. I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles could trade him, and nobody's gonna take that to pay him. He's not worth the money. It's not Peyton Manning. It's not a younger Tom Brady. You know, so I kind of feel bad for him, but it was kind of like he, he even you're even hearing him come out. I don't know if it's true if he said this, but you're hearing that he was kind of done of being told what to do on the field. So I would be okay hiring him. He'd bring a good offense. I think he could tater to what Mitchell Trubisky can do. So, if the Bears get rid of him, go get him. But he's going to find a job. Rumors going that he's going to, he might go to the Jets. Yes, he knows some people in management, maybe. We'll find out. But I, th- you know, that was kind of, it was shocking and not shocking. It was shocking because they had a lot of injuries. Carson Wentz is a big baby, but it wasn't shocking because of how this season ended. But Bears, if you fire Matt Nagy, go get him playoffs we got we just got the wild card round done the biggest shock w- to us everybody was the browns beating the steelers um then roethlisberger may be done playing for the steelers he may retire that's why i feel really bad he was sitting there with tears i feel really bad for him but congratulations to the browns so we got the los angeles rams and the nfc traveling to the green bay packers i have the green bay packers winning Uh, Then you got Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to New Orleans. I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning. I think then Drew Brees will be done. uh, I'm a Drew Brees fan. Baltimore Ravens at Buffalo Bills is going to be a good game. I have the Buffalo Bills winning. They are on a mission. Then you got the Cleveland Browns at Kansas City Chiefs. Sorry, Browns. Kansas City Chiefs are going to beat you, but you won your first playoff game. Congratulations. There's my picks. I think it might come down to a Packers-Chiefs Super Bowl or Packers and... Bill Super Bowl. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Go check out the other episodes. Go check out the Hunch Sports Network. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office.